0: We're getting there. Y'all know what Pentecost is about, right? About getting crazy. Yeah. You ready for that this morning? Yeah. I'm. I'm a little nervous right now that you all aren't quite ready. <laughs> My name is Brittany, and before I get started today, I do want to say one thing, and that is that no matter who you are where you're from, what you've done, what you haven't done, no matter who you love, no matter what inappropriate things you said today or last night or last week or last year, no matter what, you are welcome here and you are loved. So please, please, please do not forget that. You are a gift. Well, I am thrilled to be back here this morning. Um, Lindsay and I, We spent several years loving this community, and it is always a joy to see your faces, and we are grateful for the invitation to be with you today. Um, Today, like we heard, we celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost is a celebration. It is the birthday of the church. That's what we call Pentecost. It's when the church kind of started to form together. It's when the Holy Spirit came down and set people on fire um, to go out and live the gospel and be the church. So I um, wanted to help us remember what we're doing, why we're celebrating Pentecost. And I don't know about you, but I love memes. Everybody knows a, you know what a meme is? Grandma, do you know what a meme is? No? Okay. Um, a meme is a picture that you take of something and you put some words on it, and it's kind of funny. I think memes are the best thing to happen to Christianity since Constantine. That's a little theology humor for those of you. Um, so here's the first meme that I made. See? The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water. It's funny, right? Okay? So they're all like, the, the tongues of fire are coming down. The ro- we don't need no water. Okay, I, th- I thought it was funny. <laughs> so yeah, these, these people are hanging out, um, some of the apostles of Jesus, and they're like, just doing the whole Pentecost thing. Pentecost was actually a Jewish celebration, um, the Festival of Weeks, and then all of a sudden these tongues of fire descend upon them, and that sounds a little scary, but then it gets even better. This happens. Everybody in the temple getting tipsy. Everybody in the temple getting tipsy right is is that inappropriate for church I'm not sure I my wife didn't know that song so we played it last night and it's a good one um no but really so they start talking to each other um talking to people who don't understand their language and they're understanding each other and they're getting all excited and somebody's like y'all are drunk and it's nine o'clock in the morning this is really what happens we're gonna look at the scripture and this is really what happened I'm not making this up So everyone is overcome with the Spirit, and they are acting so inappropriately. Those apostles are getting inappropriate. And this is how the Christian church begins, with fire and drunkenness and holy inappropriateness. And this is what I want to talk about today. I want us to ask some questions together. I like asking questions better than I like answering them. And I want us to ask, in particular, what is appropriate for us? For followers of Jesus, this is who we claim to be as a church, as a faith community. What is appropriate for us? And what, in fact, is inappropriate? So to start off, we're going to play a little game. I really like games. I like winning games. But this isn't a game with winners and losers. So I want everybody to play. This is how it's going to go. I'm going to say something like an action. And I'm going to say, is this appropriate? And you're going to say yes or no. There are no wrong answers. I just want you to shout it out. Do you want to have a practice round? Okay. Is it appropriate for me to pick my wedgie on stage? Ah, some mixed feelings. (laughs) Okay. so we're going to start out kind of easy. I like humor, in case you haven't picked up on that. But then they're going to get a little more serious. I'm kind of hoping we start to feel a little uncomfortable, because I like those feelings. Is it appropriate to pee your pants? Oh, nobody. Come on. Billy Madison? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Is it appropriate to pick your nose in public? To wear a thong to the beach? How about to wear a hat in church? <laughs> Grandma said no. <laughs> Is it appropriate to follow all of the rules? <laughs> That's why I love it here. <laughs> Is it appropriate to use swear words? Oh, so mixed, mixed feelings. How about to be drunk at 9 in the morning? Okay. How about only getting a shower like once a week or once every couple weeks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mother taught me, she's going to be really embarrassed, my whole like, family here, it's great, that you only have to go every other day. I'm really trying to work that out. Like, as, you as, as you get older, I think I'm old enough. <laughs> okay, here's one. Is it appropriate to marry somebody who's the same gender as you? Yes. <laughs> oh, y'all, y'all are great. Is it appropriate to break a religious rule? All right. Is it appropriate to contradict authorities? Yes. Now we're going to get in trouble. Is it appropriate to use memes as sermon illustrations? Oh, I heard some no's. <laughs> some people are upset. Is it appropriate to laugh during communion? All right. I, I, I think we're getting kind of somewhere. I think some of us are still a little confused. But the reason, the serious reason that I asked about laughing during communion is I distinctly remember an experience that I had. Um, I was at this youth retreat. I was a chaperone. And I had been taught that communion was a solemn practice, that we remain quiet, that we pray, that we think about the sacrifice of Jesus, and that nobody makes a noise and nobody smiles. So I get to this retreat and there's a song playing and the youth are laughing and chatting and it's like an uproar around communion and I was appalled because that is what I had been taught about what was appropriate. I even said to the other chaperone, I said, those kids are being disrespectful. And then fast forward a few years to this place called the Blue Nile. In the basement, there's a dark, stinky, inappropriate bar. And in this place, I began to learn that being reverent sometimes looks like laughing and crying and making inappropriate poop jokes. See, communion for me has been most transformational when it has been most seemingly inappropriate. Like the one time, we didn't have any bread, so somebody like ran downstairs and and they found like a hot dog bun. And we broke Christ's body. A hot dog bun. How inappropriate. How transformational. You See, the point that I'm getting here is that oftentimes well-meaning church folks tend to mix up what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. And I have an example. There's a guy, his name's Tony Campolo. He's a pastor, a speaker, a writer, and he said this. He said, I have three things I'd like to say today. First, while you were sleeping last night, 30,000 kids died of starvation or diseases related to malnutrition. Second, most of you don't give a shit. What's worse is that you're more upset with the fact that I said shit than the fact that 30,000 kids died last night. When I first read that, that hit me because I said, yep. I've been in a lot of those places. So what's more appropriate, a Christian leader saying shit during a sermon, or a multitude of well-fed Christians showing apathy towards the fact that children are dying? You see, I have a difficult time meshing what I've learned from popular Christian culture with what I've learned from Jesus' radical revolution. So I wanna go through some things that I've learned. First, here's what popular Christianity has taught me about appropriateness. It's appropriate to be nice. It's appropriate to wear nice clothes to church. It's appropriate for women to be soft-spoken. It's appropriate for men to always be the leaders in the home and in the church. It's appropriate to keep the gaze out of the pulpit. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah. it's appropriate to stay away from sinners it's appropriate to attack those who are a threat especially those who have attacked you first It is appropriate to spend millions of dollars on a nice-looking church building it's appropriate to cast out those who do not abide it is appropriate to show off your holiness especially if it makes some extra money for the church And it is appropriate to fear and to loathe those whom you do not understand. That is what I've learned. But meanwhile, this is what I hear Jesus saying about appropriateness. It is appropriate to question authority. It is appropriate to flip over those tables of injustice. It is appropriate to allow your enemies to punch you in the face. It is appropriate to seriously give up all of your possessions. It is appropriate to choose faithfulness to God instead of faithfulness to institutional systems that claim God. It is appropriate to love when it makes more sense to fear. It is appropriate to have more questions than answers. It is appropriate to lose your security in life so that you can bring hope and healing to others. And it is appropriate to be so overcome with God's unifying spirit that you act like you're drunk at 9 in the morning or 10 in the morning if you're here at RISE. And that's why I love the story of Pentecost. After Jesus, he does this whole revolutionary thing. He's thrown over tables. He's arguing with the religious leaders. He's telling people to give up all their things, hang out with the sinners. Then they execute him. The powers execute him. And then his disciples experience him, and they're overjoyed because they thought he was dead. But then they're like, all right, now what? So they're all hanging out together, and this really crazy thing happens, like something you wouldn't expect fiery tongues descending upon them. And then they start speaking in ways that even outsiders, foreigners, can understand. Randy, tell us what happens next.
1: Earlier in the week, Brittany asked me if, uh, is this thing on? Yeah. If I would read uh, scripture, I said, sure. And when I got, I I started studying some scripture about, the subject today and I said oh don't let it be Acts 2. So when I got it guess what, you'll bear with me on this. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished they asked are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. And visitors. From Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine.
0: Thank you, Dad. I know, he did great, right? I'm, I knew he'd be great. I knew I was going to send that to him, and he was going to be like, What? <laughs> But the people, they sneered. Did you read the end of that? They sneered at the inappropriateness of the beginning of our church. So he made a point like, I don't really know what phrygia means. So I want us to kind of re-envision this in a way that makes sense to us. So let's put it this way. So we have the apostles. Um, They're all pretty similar looking. They're all speaking the same language. They're all guys. Um, at this point. So let's picture the apostles as some elderly church ladies with some really nice shoulder pads, right? Like that's my picture of like nice church ladies. You got to have the shoulder pads. Um, And then they're there, but it's a big room or outside or something. But then there's also this really diverse crowd of people. So you have people from different countries, maybe people um, with disabilities, impoverished people, people who love rap music, transgender people. So it's a diverse crowd around these nice church ladies. And so all of a sudden, these like calm, nice church ladies, they're like filled with fire. So fire comes down upon them and they are overwhelmed with the spirit that allows them to talk to everyone in a way that those people understand. So that would be like me going up to somebody of a completely different culture, different identity. I don't know how to, I don't know how to connect with them. But would it make more sense for me to speak their language, to talk to them in a way that they understand, in a way that they're comfortable, or to try to talk my church language to them? So this is what's happening. Everybody is talking to everybody, and everybody is understanding. The entire room catches a flame with compassion and togetherness. And then after that, there's this guy, Peter. I don't know if you know much about him. He likes to talk a lot. So at this point, um, Peter gives a speech. He, like, stands up, and he's like, okay, y'all, we're not really drunk. He does say that. He's, like, that's the first thing he says. He's wanting to make sure that everyone knows that they, they're not being too inappropriate. And then he goes on to talk about the Spirit of God and Jesus. Um, and then all these people come together in the community, and they form the first faith community, all these people together in this space. And then... We hear this next scripture at the end of this chapter, and it says, All came upon everyone. Many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. A diverse community, passionately caring for one another, sharing all of their goods and resources. How inappropriate story after story in this wild book that we call the bible they portray the people of god doing and saying things that are religiously and culturally inappropriate jesus was constantly getting in trouble for being improper oh hey jesus you can't be healing on the sabbath day jesus don't talk to that woman jesus samaritans for real you know where those people come from, right? She says, don't let that woman pour that perfume on your feet. We could sell that and make some money. He was so inappropriate that the system of appropriateness, the domination system of his time, executed him. They put him to death. And I found that the most faithful leaders... I know, end up getting in some sort of trouble. Powerful systems in our society and in our church have continued to punish followers of Jesus who love and serve people inappropriately. And let's get real. I'm not going to beat around the bush today. I think we all know what I'm talking about. Well, maybe we all don't know. Lots of us know what I'm talking about. Most of you know that your pastor, my pastor, Amanda, has been suspended from ministry. And she was suspended from ministry for officiating my wedding. After four years of being our pastor, of journeying with us, wiping our tears, helping us to grow, teaching us about radical ministry, encouraging me to go seminary, Amanda made the faithful choice to stand with Lindsay and I during our sacred union. And it was a hard choice, y'all. Because she knew going in what could happen in particular administrators within the UMC have proclaimed that her actions were entirely inappropriate and that the love that Lindsay and I share is completely inappropriate as well Now, can we just let's have some real talk for a minute it is baffling to me that we want to suspend and punish people who are officiating weddings. But we don't care about those pastors who are using excess fossil fuels. What about the pastors who make exorbitant amounts of money and spend it however they please? What about pastors who continue to say that women shouldn't be in ministry? But we want to punish those who celebrate love. So as soon as Lindsay and I returned from our honeymoon, seriously, like we get back, we check in with Amanda. As soon as we got back, we found out that a complaint had been filed against her. It took about 72 hours for someone to put in a complaint against Amanda. And we attempted to journey with her through the process of meetings and accusations and demoralizing attacks. And she won't say this, y'all, but it's, it's been hard. The bishop proposed a just resolution that included Amanda being suspended from ministry. But let's not pretend that her punishment had anything to do with justice. I am angry. I'm pissed off. I'm pissed because it's become more appropriate to hold on to power and control than to have compassion. I'm pissed because many in the church are more worried about saving face than saving creation. I am filled with the holy rage. So just roll with me for a hot minute because I get a little inappropriate. It is my prayer that as followers of the subversive way of Jesus, that we always ask ourselves whether we are being inappropriate like Jesus or inappropriate as the church that is fulfilling the institutionalized role of the status quo. Which way are we going to be inappropriate? So I ask, is what I'm saying and what I'm doing today oppressing anybody? Do my words and my actions cause others to die, to starve, to be homeless, to be in poverty, to lose human rights? Is my inappropriate behavior causing people to suffer? Are my improper words pushing people to the margins of the society and of the church? Is my unacceptable dress code ruin anybody's livelihood? Is my unholy marriage propelling the gay agenda of love, acceptance, joy, and hope? I hope it is. Is it irreverent to give a big F you to the systems of injustice that keep my sisters and my brothers chained within cycles of poverty and shame? Is it unfaithful to look at the bishop, to look him in his face and say, how dare you? How dare you suspend my mentor, my pastor, who loves me in a love like Christ? How dare you suspend her and tell her that she should not be in this church? Is it inappropriate to say, look me in the eyes, bishop? Look at me and tell me that I am unfit and unholy and I should not be married. You tell me that. Look at me and tell me that you don't want me in your church, that I am unfit for ministry. Is my anger inappropriate? Should I lower my voice? Is it sacrilegious? To claim that if Jesus actually showed up right here, right now, that he'd start having dinner with drag queens, dragging dirt all over carpeted sanctuaries, arguing with bishops, turning our sweet tea into PBR, and inviting Muslims, undocumented immigrants, and doctors who perform abortions into the kingdom of heaven. Is the gospel inappropriate? I am angry. But I do not despair. As James Baldwin said, we cannot afford despair. My anger is complemented with a passionate, raging hope. And hope is only hope when hope seems impossible. But I do hope. I hope because of leaders like Amanda who risk their livelihood, risk their jobs and their paychecks to proclaim justice in God's dream. I hope because of communities like this one that stand up and shout, We beg to differ. So today, dear friends, I'm going to leave you with this. Keep being inappropriate, for God's sake. Keep shouting obscenities at injustice. Keep hanging out with those wrong people in all the wrong places. Because Jesus is there too, y'all. Keep caring more about people and less about money keep aflame for diverse unity and keep on acting drunk every Sunday morning at exactly 10ish let it be so y'all